0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Donaldson with the Donaldson Files with Coco Konsky. Um, I am the chairman of the I Pack. Hi. And I'm also the project director for America's Majority Foundation and the author of eight great books. None yet bestsellers, but you know what? They all should be because they're that great. And I'm just being I'm just being modest. Hey right, Coco, hey Coco
2: hello hello
1: okay so tell everybody all about yourself sorry i i i uh
2: i i had my airpods on and i took them out for a second and i put it back on i thought i lost you guys but i didn't but anyways my name's coco um for those of you know me know me either from twitter um or whatever (laughs) Um and I also I I originally started co-hosting Tuesdays and Wednesdays but then I got a crazy full-time job so now I'm only available on Tuesdays and I'm actually really excited about this show cuz I actually have a finally I got to bring on a guest. I brought a guest Tom. Um
1: That's right. And that's is, yeah.
2: That's This is a friend I know from Twitter, Mark, who um Say hi Mark. <laughs>
1: Hello, Mark. Or not. Go ahead. uh, All right. Hello. Well, yeah. Hold on just a second. I will be right back here. Yeah, keep talking.
2: I will. Um, So, today's show, I'm going to do a little bit of um, kind of new thing. I know it's ladies' night, but I thought it'd be all inclusive ladies and gents' night. And so, recently, I have taken on kind of a parenting role, if you will. You know, I have a teenager who comes over, um, you know, once a week, and so I found myself like, oh, my God, I kind of am in a role of a parent, even if it's, like, for one day of a week, you know? So I thought it'd be fun to kind of just, like, talk about, you know, people with kids and during COVID and, like, what do you do to keep yourself sane from that? So that's why I invited my good friend Mark to come on if he's there. Yeah, and...
1: Yeah, Mark he is you here. Be here. Mark, I'm here. here. There we go. Yes.
2: Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. So yeah, I mean, I I I know you have kids, correct? I do. You do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm I'm kind of like a step parent. I don't, you know, I'm I I'm actually kind of like the epitome of what a cool step mom is. I basically don't have any rules. I literally don't and I, I, I realized this because the other day she was over last weekend and she's like, You're just like a really cool adult and I'm like Thanks <laughs> I, I I honestly didn't realize that, but um apparently I'm cool with like teenagers, so that's 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 a good thing. That's a great Always thing. Always a plus. Always but a plus. I I think it is. I mean It's funny because, like, I met her when she was 14. She's 15 now. And we kind of have that bond of, like, a friendship. (laughs) Definitely not, like, a a parent. I would say (laughs) because I I think it was funny. The other day she was over, and I I guess she had uh, downloaded a game uh, on her new computer, which is supposed to be strictly for school, and she comes into the room. She's like, Coco, I need your help. I'm like, oh, my God what is it? <laughs> like I, every time someone says I need your help, anytime I hear I need your help, <laughs> I immediately think like the absolute worst. And I'm like, "Oh god, okay, what is it?" She <laughs> goes, "I downloaded a game on my computer that I can't have my parents find out. Can you help me erase it?" <laughs> so I'm like, "Yeah, I can do that." <laughs> I mean, I I you know that's what I'm there for. I'm I'm there for, you know, advice and uh you know, helping erase games that are not supposed to be on your computer. That's my the, role.
3: The, the, there needs to be a designated person for that, so the kids don't have to go to their parents with the embarrassing stuff.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, thank God, but it's it, it's so funny. And then, like, she'll she'll try to show me. I, I don't. I wouldn't call it inappropriate, I guess, but it's definitely <laughs> she'll like show me like shows that obviously she would never want to watch with a parent, but she's totally okay watching it with me, <laughs> like. She showed me like this anime, and I was just like, in my whole mind, I'm like, oh wow, that's so cool. I'm using my mom voice, um, but in reality, I'm like, what the f am I watching?
3: <laughs> that would be most anime, yeah.
2: I I yeah, she's yeah. an anime uh, freak. So um, when it comes to that, it was just it was just really funny. I mean, she's a really smart kid. She's great, except like with homework, like, and that's another thing. Like during COVID, and like. You know, I feel like homework has like doubled. I mean, I, I graduated <clears throat> high school in oh six, okay? And I I honestly don't remember getting as much homework as I guess the kids do these days.
3: Yeah, there's a buttload of it. That's one thing I'll say. I, I was a teacher for two years and for in middle school and uh, right. I I mean, I never gave out that much homework.
2: I could say, I think she had this one project, and it's like a month long project. I'm like, I don't remember ever having a month long project, like in freshman year of high school, <laughs> I don't know i I was just like and like she'll try to ask me help to help her homework, and I'm like, I'm like, girl, I, I I still use my fingers to count. I am like the last <laughs> person who want to help with algebra. like I don't even know algebra. I'm awful. Right. Like, it's like if you want English, yeah, totally. You want help, <laughs> I'm there. But you, you math, you're going to have to use a calculator.
3: I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. My my son is in advanced classes for his grade. He, he's in ninth grade and taking 12th grade classes mm. and has already been very frank. Oh, oh I'm my God. not going to come to you for help with my math homework <laughs> because I know it won't be, it won't be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love yeah, how
2: smart I... they think they are. Yeah.
3: Well, I,
1: yeah. Well, I tell you, what like I say, I I actually do remember homework because this is, uh, you know, like I said, this was in the 1960s and 70s, so we did get a lot of homework. Right. <laughs> in those days.
2: I I but just I don't you, remember it being yeah, this much. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. You know, I tell you, the the big the big I always remember the one story. Uh, it was algebra, and this teacher gave this formula, and and he said, I don't care, you can copy each other. You can work as groups. <laughs> I just want this on my desk the first thing in the morning, and this is your exam. And I'm, we're like, oh, oh my no God. big deal, right? Well, it turned out, right. I mean, literally, it took us eight – it took us – You know, I, I called this one guy and say, dude, do you understand this? And he said, not really, but I'm sitting here talking with Edward, who was a real math genius. And so we're all getting in together. So I, we all went, you know. So we all got together, and we literally spent five hours. We still kept making mistakes. It took us literally. Edward figured it out one minute before we were supposed to turn it in. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, this was. And I remember and we all turned it in, and he just and the, and the teacher just had to smile. And he says, "Well, welcome to the real world that you're going to be dealing with when you finally get out of here." <laughs> where solutions don't always show oh up, oh my God, <laughs> and that was it I mean, I it mean was like, I, I,
2: there's some rules there's some rules i like she'll, she'll she'll tell me about the rules she has in her high school, and I'm like, oh my God, these teachers are so late, like apparently one of her teachers could drink coffee, but if she sees another child drinking anything but water, she'll like reprimand them, and I'm like, that's like a double <clears> standard first of yeah all, that like, that t- they're that teaches home. a whole they're different at a lesson. Home. Yeah. That, you're at home, you know? I mean, as long as they're not drinking goose on camera, like, I don't see the big deal. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, it's
1: coffee. I was going to say, I mean, coffee is one of those things where, you know the funny thing, I never learned to do coffee until I was like, I was, you know, late 30s, early 40s. It, it, oh, no, I started it, drinking I like I learned,
0: 12. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing. I, I didn't really like coffee until my daughter Worked at you know one of the, my oldest was working at a star a Starbucks affiliate in Barnes and Noble where they served Starbucks coffee. Oh yeah. And so I I learned to like lattes. I learned to like uh, you know the braves and that's and and from that point I became a, you know now I drink coffee all the time and every day I turn around oh, and yeah. like a new there's a new health thing saying you know coffee does this to save your life and I'm thinking wow.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should have drank this a lot
1: earlier.
2: I think it does. It saves my patience a lot of the time. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, another thing I don't understand, and I'm just kind of getting critiquing, like, the whole, like, online learning thing. I mean, like, I, for some reason, I, re- I like it because, you know, I did a lot better online school than I did physically school. Um, that was just my experience. But, like, they're, the PE course are kind of, like, hilarious to me because you have to film yourself, <clears> like, 20 minutes doing, like, jumping jacks, like, on camera, and then you have to upload the video. And, like, God bless people who, like, have kids really late in life because I'm telling you, they would never be able to have to figure out to do it in a drop box <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: but... yeah. Hold, okay. There are a couple of thoughts, and so then what we're going to do, we'll bring Mark in uh, to talk about... Uh, parenting and COVID, and he can kind of mm-hmm. describe. Uh, I know we got you got a freshman who's a, obviously uh, a genius. Well, How my, many other yeah, children my... do
3: you have? Well, I have two. They're twins, uh, a boy and a girl, and Aww. they are both in the school. They, they're both in advanced classes, but she's in advanced art and uh, science. He's in advanced mathematics and physics. So they're, they're sort of, you know, different, uh, as different as they can be, but, but heading in similar directions. Um, and they're taking right. what's called a hybrid classes, which is uh, uh, two days a week they are physically in the school, and then three days a week okay. it's all online.
1: Yeah, hold on to that thought, Mark. This is Tom Donaldson. Go Konsky here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
4: Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe Radio Broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
1: Yeah, the Bachelor News Radio Network, you can get all of our shows. And not only that, but uh, um, you can also get Coco's latest, newest picture. At least you will sometime oh, this yeah. week. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this week. Hopefully this week. Cause I, that's what I look you know, like in I, real
2: life, guys. I promise. It,
1: yeah, it's called the official Coco Gothic look. Cool.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, guys, I took that picture like in 2011. That was like almost 10 years ago. No, that is 10 years yeah. ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good
0: <laughs> yeah. Lord. Where does I, mean, the I think
2: I'm better so, now yeah. in my 30s than I did in my 20s, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mark, <laughs> okay so you mentioned you are a teacher. You have two you got twins, one, you know, and both of them are in bands. Do you live in Texas?
3: Do you live in Texas? Yes, I live in Texas. My, my kids uh, uh, live in Memphis, Tennessee with their mother. Uh, but uh, when the pandemic hit, I was picking them up for uh, – I get them several times a year. I was picking them up for spring break. Um, and instead of spending ten days with me, they got to spend uh, about two and a half months with me. Oh,
0: that's good. Oh, yeah,
3: so was they, great.
1: They, so, yeah, so they, so they ended up—they were actually going to be educated in Texas.
3: <laughs> well, no, they—I <laughs> uh, had them uh, two and a half uh, months. I saw the direction things were coming, so I told them to pack up their school tablets, uh, all of their computer stuff, and bring it with them. Uh, I did give their their mother a heads up because we have an amicable relationship and tell her what's probably going to so happen. That's so important. It is. That's it so good. It's helpful. It's It's
2: so um, good. I, I mean, the same way with my 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 boyfriend and his his ex. Like, it's all like co-parenting. And after after we talk, I have a story for you guys. So
3: keep going. <laughs> All right. Oh, but yeah. they they came down and uh we we spent the the spring break the way we normally do, pretty much just slacking. Um but things had just hit. I told them we weren't going to be doing a lot of the things that we normally do and and stay in and explained it to them. Um and and they've uh, uh We've always had really good communications. I don't want any you know, I never try to scare them, but I also don't try to hide the world from them either. So they were like, "Okay, this sounds bad. We're staying in um so uh when school started back up they they completely shut the school down as far as people being there, so they uh, I've got right. great internet at my house, so they just finished up at my house mm-hmm. we're, oh,
1: now, were they now were they t- following up with Memphis, Tennessee then online yeah.
3: Yeah, they connected with their school once the, the the five days of spring break were over. They connected every day online with their school. Um, the school that they attended was was uh, remarkably well prepared for what had to, had to go on. Uh, so they finished their their eighth grade year, uh, all of it online from my my uh, condo in Texas.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. All right.
1: Now, as a teacher, okay, so as a teacher yourself, you kind of tell you. I'm trying to take a little bit of long and take as long as you need on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the difference between online versus being in class, uh and how because obviously they're advanced class, you know, it's an advanced courses that they tend to be taking. And so I you know, I, I guess in the back of my own mind, uh, you know, it you know, you still there's this part of me that says that face to face contact or hey teacher I you know, you know, Mrs. Your, your teacher, whoever that he or she may be, you know, mm-hmm. have one to one when you need it. You know, after school, whatever the case may be. So, kind of, you know, from your perspective, I, 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 I got how what did you're they? Ha- I... Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You kind of explain, you know, how did it all worked out, and and you know, what were the pluses and what were the minuses.
3: Well, I'm not a, I'm not a teacher now. I mean, right now I work in financial aid at Texas A&M University. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, so I'm no longer a teacher. But uh, what I've seen is is uh, in some like I told you, the two kids are as different as they can be. My son likes a very structured environment. Um, he has kind of struggled with the the fully online and and uh, hybrids classes because too much flexibility, and he just doesn't get the work done. Um, I have to uh, talk to him several times a week. And it's not we're not talking the parental, I have a talk to you. It's just asking yeah. him how it's coming along, show me the work, can you? you know, where are you with it. And as long as I touch base with him, he gets back to it. But I had a couple of weeks here at work where uh, in my busy time is the beginning of each semester here at the college, and, uh, and I just didn't talk to him for a week, and he didn't turn a thing in. Um, whereas my daughter uh, – Sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, right. Uh, and, but my daughter, she loves it. She's uh, She doesn't like being separated from her friends because she's extraordinarily right. social. Um, but on the other hand, she turns her work in. You know, she The only thing she's asked of, of me is uh, help getting organized for fully online because we know that within a few weeks or you know, maybe months, but probably weeks, they're going to wind up being fully uh, uh, online. And so I, I write them out uh organizational charts, ways to keep track of your different things, uh, basically a project chart, um, and then touch base with them for several times a week saying, where's your status? Because they don't need me to stand on them. They just need a reminder. They need to be asked, and, and, and that's tough. But for a lot of kids, this uh, the fully online thing, it, it requires a degree of self-discipline that if you're used to being in school, like all kids were until this, well, not all, but the vast majority of them, uh, until this pandemic hit, it really requires a lot more parental touch. You know, get in there and ask them. Yeah, I, show them what you have to. They know the computer stuff. They just need help with the organization and staying on focus. I
2: find mm-hmm. that, that problem, too, um, because, like, there are times where she'll say she's done her homework and – you know, it's like, well, where is it? She's like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like <laughs> banging my head against the wall and I'm just like it just isn't it, just, it just, I and I, I for a while, like, you know, she, she had a trouble. She never saved her work. So if something went missing, she literally had to redo it again and I'm just like, File save, file, <laughs> save. It's every nineties kid's lingo is file saved. Um but, you know, I feel like she's getting better. It's just I've noticed that um I don't know about you, but mine is ADHD, and I'm ADHD, so it is super hard to keep it focused. Like, let alone like you know when you're at your home and like you know you're you're more I guess relaxed in an environment that you're used to, but also it's like really hard to focus. I feel especially with ADHD, that's just like a whole other issue.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's that's the kind of thing where most I, most parents, their first reaction to a child with ADHD or ADD is is medicate them. And and sure, I get that to a certain degree, but when oh, they she have is. To, if
2: this
3: help. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it. It's it's not the whole yeah. solution. There's a lot to do with it. I had no. a lot of kids when I was teaching in classes, and that's part of the solution. But a lot of it is, you know, they, sure. they have to be taught how to focus. And they just don't get it. I mean, most parents don't know how to do it because the parents themselves had issues with focus.
2: Well, right. I mean, I definitely do, but I don't think I was so bad as to like, you know, if I mean, I kind of I know I was pretty bad, if I think about it. (laughs) No, I was pretty bad. Never mind. I, I was pretty bad. I I, I literally didn't care about school or any of that, and it was just like I like I look at her and I'm like, oh my God, you have a chance at life. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I
0: mean,
2: that's literally how like I, I look at things. Um, but okay, so I belong to a bunch of like mom groups, if you will. Like, you know, when I first started knowing it was going to be serious. I mean, we've been dating almost two years now. When I started knowing it was going to be serious, I was like, oh, crap. I'm going to literally have to deal with a teenager. And I have no idea how to do that. So I went on Facebook, and I I, lied. I started joining all these groups. And I got to say, I hate every single one of them. There, there are some groups that are okay, but, oh, my God, if you've ever, like, joined a dad or mom group on Facebook, they literally makes you feel like you're the best parent on earth because – you're nothing like these people. <laughs> That's how I felt. Like I actually got kicked out of like two of these stepmom <laughs> groups because like these women were awful. They're awful. And like today, I had a uh, like a conversation with someone. Actually, a few of them. <laughs> I like. I, I always think like some people don't deserve to be step parents or parents in general, because they're just like literally awful human beings. And you know, just when I think like the world's getting back together, I have to read some of these posts and like, it literally, it, it fs with my mind. It really does. You know, I had this, this one woman, uh, it was in a step mom group or whatever, and she literally was going to ruin her relationship over a cup of coffee. I'm not even exaggerating. It was literally over a cup of Starbucks coffee. She got pissed off that she bought her kid coffee or something and her kid never drank it. And, like, she started, like, this World War II over a cup of coffee. And I'm just, like, I literally told her, this is, like, all I said, was it's a cup of coffee, not a PlayStation 5. And she got so angry. She got so angry that then she started, like, looking through my profile and my pictures or whatever, and she's like, she goes, well, I'm sorry you don't know the difference between a cup of coffee and a PlayStation because you obviously can afford to get your face done. I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah,
3: let's just go straight for the throat. I was like, (laughs) like,
2: holy crap. I was like, really? I was like, well, if you know anything about Botox and, like, lip injections, you know they don't cost that much, and it's, like, once a year. So if you you can't afford, like, $300 a year, I'm sorry. That's not my problem. So, I mean –
3: Yeah, even if it were free, somebody who's going to immediately attack you personally – or something like that. They, they, they kind of don't have any boundaries. I mean, I, you know, I, I did uh, eight years in the military and a couple of years teaching, and then ten years in IT. So I've, I've floated around a little bit. Right. But but I've seen people who they they can't seem to differentiate between a small problem and a big problem, and they they don't know the difference oh. between. A professional issue and I'm just going to go for the, the meanest thing I can say that's the mean girls mentality
2: I mean but it was like I'm a mean girl sometimes but so my god like I, mean, like, I was she, she started she started like like Facebook stalking me and then she started sending me messages messages on like my uh, on like my, my prior Facebook or whatever saying like well I'm so sorry that you're a super mom blah 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 and I'm like Literally, all I said was that it's coughing on a PlayStation Five. I am so sorry that like it caused you to have PTSD. I, I apologize for you know my comment. I mean, but this is what I this is the thing that I gathered. Like, if you enjoy drama, if you enjoy getting angry and like knowing like what a shit sometimes parents are, like how they, you know, like that that's a whole other issue. It, it, to me, it's funny. It's like. <laughs> Well, I don't want to be around my stepdaughter. Why did you marry a man that has kids? Yeah, that no, should. That is just that is just like that's the number one. That's what I always go to. It's like why do some people, you know, they get in a relationship, they know the person has a kid, do they expect to throw that kid out? Like yeah, I I, I, I mean like I, like and the whole uh, this is my favorite one. This is the one I got into this week. This woman was claiming she was jealous of her nine-year-old stepdaughter, jealous of a child, because her dad gave her attention. I yeah, mean, somebody's like, got to take I a breath. Mean, holy! I, I told her, to, like, I was like, I have a good therapist for you if you want one, and she got like super mad at me. Saying, I, I swear, they, these these are all the same same women. They're just, I feel like they feel like they're entitled they're so entitled because they married a man with a child and look at me, I'm going to play hero. And then when it comes to like actually trying to parent, they're just like, you know, why does he have to pay attention to his child? Um, I don't know. Maybe because it's his child. I don't know. This yeah, is something yeah. that pisses yeah, me yeah. off about these groups.
1: Yeah. Hold on to that thought, uh, Choco. Uh, uh, I we'll will. Bring Mark in after, yeah, so hold on that thought. This is Tom Donaldson, Coco Kansky here on the Donaldson file. With our special guest, Mark, a friend of Coco's, and we're talking parenting and staying sane during COVID. Here, oh, by the way, Mark, before we do, you realize mm-hmm. you're the first male that she's actually brought on on our official <laughs> lady.
0: <life>. That is <laughs> I am the token yeah I said mail, that yeah. in the beginning. <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots.
0: I don't have time. We're all healthy. My
4: asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My
0: kids are too old the for me. I can fight it naturally.
5: No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov.
4: A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
1: Yeah, don't forget to get your flu shots, and also uh, when your time comes, yeah. uh, uh, call your family doctor and, and talk about the COVID vaccines as well. There's two of them out there. Yeah. I think there's a third one coming out. So ask your doctor which one you ought to, you know, which one you want to go with. So contact your doctor and all of this. Okay, back to yeah. our Wait, broadcast eight. with Mark. Yeah.
3: Go ahead. Yeah, Tom and Coco, I hate to interrupt. I'm actually uh, here at the office, and unfortunately the director has said they need my attention somewhere else, and, and I no do worries. apologize. I would be glad to do this anytime again, but, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of
2: course. Right. No All worries. Right. Thank right. you. Well, thank Take you. Take care, guys. Take Bye care. now.
3: Take care. Bye. That's
2: fine. We got him on for 30 minutes. That was good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. No, okay, that
2: okay. was well, so okay. to let's my look. point.
0: Okay, yeah, the so, point, Yeah,
1: the, I guess my point would be okay. If what you're telling me is, are these ladies complaining that the husband is spending time with the daughter, having attention to the daughter, or, or what did they expect when they married the guy?
2: I uh, that's a good. It, one. It, well, I mean, for the the one instance, the one um, I did give the one example I did give. Yes, because she was upset that like you know that her when that when they see her stepdaughter or whatever that you know he is giving like all the attention and he's like kissing her and like doing what a dad does and like my response yeah. is like i mean listen tom like i i see these all the time that's why i'm in these groups because like i just i you know they're they're just like they're really annoying <laughs> i i'm not even kidding yeah. you know um yeah. And like, And to me, it's, like, if you're so miserable, if you're so miserable being around your stepkid, and, like, I get, not every kid is like mine, where they're, like, very welcoming. Like, I get that. I get there are hard times with, you know, with stepkids. And, but, like, if you hate it that much and you are so damn miserable, why are you even in the marriage? Why not divorce? Yeah. I, it's the same thing as people yeah. who have been married and have kids. And I, I, the thing that really pissed me off, um, the thing that really pissed me off, I will say, there was a comment on the thread. And it, like, literally angered me to the point where, like, I was raging. You know, mm-hmm. they, they were talking about, um, it was basically, I think it was the same post. But then someone mentioned, they were saying, well, I don't understand how, like, my husband has such a connection when his daughter's adopted. Tom, I literally Mm. wanted to slap this person. Okay. First of all, I'm adopted. Second of all, my daughter is adopted. Um, There's no line, blood or bio or whatever you want to call it. Like they're still your kid. And if I, if I married someone, if I married someone and I found out they said this, I would be serving them with divorce papers so hard, so hard. Mm. I mean, and it was just ridiculous, and I I commented back. Like, I usually kind of stay out of it most of the time, but this woman got me so rattled. I was like, okay, excuse me. I'm adopted. It has nothing to do with with blood relations or anything like that. When you adopt someone, you love them. They're your kid. Yeah. That's the whole point of adoption. Yeah, that's the whole point because,
6: I mean, she's like, I'm
2: stating my feelings. She's like, I'm stating my feelings. I'm like, that's not a feeling. That's just ignorance. That is just pure yeah. ignorance. You, you don't go around saying mm-hmm. things like that and not, and not expect to get a response from someone. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, let me let, but, let's go back to your yeah. Let's go kind of go back to your step though, because there's a couple points you
2: mm-hmm.
1: you, you I want to make some. Sure saying that. Did you say she has ADHD herself or is it, yeah? We okay. both do. So basically, you both do. Okay. Well, let me ask you this question uh, because obviously, how you. You know, have you been with her during the times that, you know, have she's come over during those times when she's had to go to school? Uh, is that, you know, oh, have God, you been no. part of that?
2: Oh, God, no. Okay. No, uh, well, well, no, hold on. But she she does come over here to do work, do homework, you yeah. know, and it takes her forever to do, like, a sentence, and that's okay. I mean, it's part of the ADHD. It's not like. But no, I have not been around when she has to go to school
1: because that would be like I don't even know how I would react. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That yeah. would have been hard well, to me, okay. deal with that. Okay, well, let me throw this question back this way: When what do you do? Or how do you uh, you know, keep her focused? You know, what are the things that you have to do to keep her
3: focused?
2: Well, obviously, I turn off the TV. I don't, you know, or, you know, she really, just, she just really goes into her room and she does her work, you know, and then I'll, I'll come in every now and then and ask if she needs help. And if she doesn't, I just let her be. And I think it's important to, like, not rush the kids. You know, that's yeah. just my opinion. I don't, I think it's really important not to rush them, um, to basically, you know, let them do what they need to do. Um, but it's also important to, like, know what they're doing. Like, as far as, like, schoolwork, like, what do you have to do? How are you preparing? Um, she had to do, like, a video of um, the inauguration. Uh, not inauguration, no. She would do it about a, uh, a poet. She needs some poetry, mm-hmm. so I, I said, Amanda Gorman, uh, the, the poet that we saw speak at the inauguration day, I was like, you know, do something like that. And she did it, you know. So I kind of, like, helped her along. Like, I never give her answers. <laughs> But I basically help her in, like, you know, well, what what does that make you think? You know, you kind of have to question yeah. it and not really, you know, do the work for them. But you can guide them and you can help them along finding their own answers. I find.
1: Now, here's a, yeah, here's what I'm going to mean, a question, you know, for parents out there, because one of the problems you have with COVID, in particular, with states where you have much stricter, you know, and much stricter, you know, restrictions like California is presently. Uh, and so, how right. do you deal with the issue of friends? Because obviously, that's the, to me the well, biggest issue would be the, is the contact with your friends. You know, keeping t- contact. Yeah, no,
2: she doesn't. Human- she, she doesn't. She doesn't because like her best friend, um, mom is like is uh, a healthcare worker. And they had a quarantine for a while. Um, And, yeah, I totally get the missing friends and all that, all that good stuff. Um, And a lot of time, like, she'll FaceTime, you know. So she'll, like, hang out with them virtual, which is fine. Um, Until we get our vaccines, we're really not allowing people to come in the house. Like, I don't have friends come over. Um, And neither Mm -hmm. does she. Um, Her mom is getting the vaccine, I think, this week. So um, that's good news. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as friends go, you know she, you know when she games, she's a gamer, so she'll like talk to them while gaming, or like like FaceTime. So she does have like she does interact with friends. It's just you know they're not we're not seeing anybody right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so she does interact, but it's more like a Zoom or a FaceTime.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. I mean, that's all she. I mean, she she's never really expressed like you know how she wants to hang out. Like she knows that we're in a pandemic, and she knows that like we're not going to be seeing other people, and she's okay with that. Like she understands that. Mhm.
1: All right. But yeah, let's go. okay. How about let's say okay now you. Now I mean, for this, one. how often does she come? Is it weekends, or how often does she come over? How's that? What's the visitation? Maybe um, I'll put it out.
2: It's usually well, it's usually um, every Sunday or Saturday. But next week, you know, she hasn't been able to sleep over and stuff. So next week she is staying the night. Think Saturday and Sunday. Um, so that's always fun. We get to play mm-hmm. like 12 hours of video game. And if you think I'm exaggerating, I am. So not exaggerating. Yeah. There was a time where, when she came over, we played from 10 a.m. to like 10 p.m. of video games. So there's no lack of entertainment at the house. There There's not. Yeah. Like we have like board games. We have video games. I'll bake with her. She loves baking. We're kind of like going to be making our own pizzas like next week. So and that's like another thing, like the fun things to do when you're stuck in quarantine. And I'm always like, I'm always very pro gaming. I know some parents are like, video games are horrible for their mental growth, and it's like, uh, no, they're not. <laughs> they're fine, <laughs> you know. Um, so she she got me into this like show called Gravity Falls. So we'll like either binge watch that. We'll like, you know, you know, just there's just like a lot. Like we always have game nights. Like, even when she's not here, we have game nights. Like, we're a very board game family. So, you know, there's no lack of entertainment here. So, she's always mm-hmm. – she we always keep busy. That's the main yeah. thing is just always keeping busy,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, okay, the, Okay. so I'm just kind of curious. So, does Steve – is he a gamer, too?
0: Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so he's a
1: gamer, too. So. <laughs>
0: Now, which one is the big?
1: Yeah which, one, c- which one, yeah, which one? Which one is? The, yeah, which one is the bigger gamer? You or him?
2: I think it's equal. It's definitely equal. equal. I mean, I might game oh. it a little more than him, but he's the one who bought Cyberpunk, and literally, like, he uses the entire memory gig of the Xbox to play that. It's like a ninety-four gigabyte plus, like, fifty-something gigabytes to play this game. It's like it basically takes off all. The
1: data. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, all right. I, I was just going to get Let me let me let me throw. Okay, let me ask this question this way: as a step, soon-to-be stepmother, or do you kind of view, do you view yourself as a stepmother at this point?
2: I hate that word. I'll be honest. I hate that word because it makes me yeah, sound like okay. I am her mother, and I'm not. But I view myself as. She'll call me, like, a cool adult, and, like, I'm basically, I know she doesn't view me as a parent role at all, whatsoever, because, like, she confides in me, and she'll, like, talk to me like a friend, you know, like, I'm her friend, and that's okay, like, different people have different roles, like, and the reason I say that's okay is because she doesn't live with me full time, so I'm not the parent. I will never parent her, you know, she's not, she has two great parents to do that. And, you know, she comes to me if, like, she's having problems with either dad or mom. So I feel like in that respect, I'm, you know, kind of just the person she confides in. And, like, you know, she'll, if I have to go walk my dog, like, she's always wanting to come with me. So it's like hmm. she loves hanging out with me, which is, like, a total plus. Because, like, honestly, for the yeah. love of God in me, I swear to God, Tom, I thought it was going to be a nightmare. I thought, Oh my God, he has a, he has like a 15 year old. She's going to hate me. I'm going to be called names. And it's been like the total opposite. So um, in that sense, I'm very happy. I mean, you know, and that's okay. Not every, what I've learned is there's every step parent is different. They have different rules. Like again, you know, if you're living full time, it's a total different versus where you see once a week, you're going to have, you're not going to have as many rules
6: as
1: you would at their primary home. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, uh, so basically, okay, I see what you're saying there. So basically you're that, you know, you're kind of like the voice that she can talk to that she may not necessarily want to, let's just say, talk to her parents first. A For problem sure. Is, you know, Absolutely. Does uh, she ever hit you with the boy problems yet? The what? Boy problems, girl. I mean, oh, uh, she's, she's, she's never. gonna. She's
2: never gonna have boy problems. Trust me on that.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess maybe the question is, is she ever? Came girl to boys, problems, I, maybe. girl okay.
2: problems, maybe. Girl problems,
1: maybe. Okay. Well, define girl problems. Is this like somebody I'm having problems with at school, or friends, or how does that work? And hold on to um, that thought. Yeah, hold on to that okay. thought. Yeah, because we're back. We're, Yeah, this is Tom Donaldson here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want to comment on parenting, and if you have a story, call us at 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130.
7: Tune into You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights. As a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro.
8: This is Dr. Larry Fidoa, host of The Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at LogTalkRadio.com and the podcast every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at the Pro. I am called the philosopher of current events, an independent, open-minded, conservative with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, is, but here we are back with the Donaldson Files here on Ladies Night with uh, Coco Konski. Uh, we're kind talking about parenting and, um, and and everything else here on Ladies Night at the Donaldson Files. And okay, Coco, go ahead. I think uh, I kind of interrupted you in the middle of something. What was I saying? I think okay, you were talking about girls' problems. Yeah, she, the, oh, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's like whatever, you know, what's going on with her, you know, or, it's you know, just girl stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not very wow. girly, so, um, you know, it, it, it's funny that uh, when, we, uh, when we talk, you know, she'll tell me like, you know, things that I already knew as a teenager. <laughs> you know, I think I was way more advanced. Than her, thank God, because I was, like, I was looking at Kuma Puma Sutra stuff when I was, like, 15, and, like, I'm so happy. She doesn't even know what that is. So, mm. like, there, there are times where, where, like, I'll say, I said something, like, oh, I got this, like, board game, but, like, apparently like, one of the comments was that it's X-rated, and she literally asked me what X-rated meant, and I'm like, oh, crap. Um, wow. And then, like, you know, yeah, so I'm just, like, I really don't know how, so I don't have to explain like, a lot of stuff to you, considering you're, like, almost 16. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think it's great either way to bond with, you know, you know your kid, your step kid or whatever. And, um, like I said, different parents have different roles. And my role is that I don't have to parent. I don't. I honestly don't. She's just such a good kid that, like, uh, there's no need. Like, I'm afraid if I did, I would totally mess her up. <laughs>
0: Hi.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So So now, let me yeah. So let me put it this way: Are you in that? Have you been in that position where you've had to discipline her?
2: Oh God, where no. Maybe no. Okay. No, never, never in a million years. Um, like I said, she's a really good kid. She does what she's told. She's like really respectful. Um, you know, I there's no absolutely no need me for me to. Um,
6: Mm-hmm.
2: To really do that, so um, but you know, like I said, like my role is way different than most step parents, I guess, because like I, from what I've read, from what I've encountered, a lot of these people have their kids 50 50 and, and like we don't have our 50 50. Like, I feel like 50 yeah. 50 might be a little different, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, since it's not. Uh, I don't have to take on that. Like, I don't tell her to do chores. Like, if, if she, if I need something done, I do it myself. That's like why. That's another thing. Like, I see, I see step parents. They make like these chore charts. That it's just like one of them. Like, I was like, oh my god, if my dad married someone like that, I would never visit him. Like, she basically made her step kids clean the entire house. She made them do like each room, and I'm like, holy crap! I never even got that. So, I mean, Mm. you know, that's why I'm very judgmental, like, on some step-parents. Because, like, again, my whole thing is it's, like, if you can't handle, like, a step-kid, like, why did you marry the guy? Why? Like, don't – my my advice for people, honestly, if you cannot handle someone else's kid, don't date someone with a kid. It's just really that simple. There are tons of people without kids. You don't need to find that person. So, I mean, I've always knew I was going to become a stepmom, um, just to the fact that I date older guys um, in the past, and they've always had, like, older kids, so it wasn't, like, a big shock for me. I wasn't like, oh, my God, you have a teenager. Can't date you anymore, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, again, to each his own, but, you know, know what you're getting yourself into. And for the love of God, yeah. if you're only dating the guy, like, and you still can't put up with the stepkids, don't marry him. Because then it just—it's just all—it's it, just all, also unfair to the kids because they—they they didn't ask to be born, they didn't ask for their parents to split up. So the fact, like you know, why are you going to make their life harder? You know, when when they're they're already yeah. a, a child of divorce. Like, what is the point of making their lives harder?
1: All right, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gotta. it's got, to be, it's got to be kind of an interesting challenge, though. You know, you know, dealing with, let's say. Yeah, you know, somebody, a, a child, especially when, because basically you're just, I mean, kind of, I mean, let you me say, you're probably about as close to her ages. I mean, you're not that far from being a teenager. Well,
2: right, no, you know, I'm going to be, be 33. It. I'm going to be 33. Yeah, yeah so. well. I mean, she and I are, like, 17 years apart, so she definitely could be my kid. It's not – that's never been, like – it's not like she's 24 and I'm 33. Like, she – 100% could be my kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But there there are people out there, like, especially in these mom groups, and that's, like, what I kind of wanted just to talk about today, which is how ridiculous they are. Like, I mean, I've I've made friends with some of these moms, like, the ones that are, like, not psychotic in the least (laughs) – and we kind of just like look at each other, like we, we kind of like message each other. Probably we're just like, oh my god, are these people nuts? Like, are we in the same yeah. group? I mean, the majority of the time, I kind of just like bash on them because it's like so easy to bash. Like, you're gonna get mad over a cup of coffee, or like you're, you're jealous of a yeah. nine year old stepkid. kid. Like, come on, come on, man. That's just that's that, that's a whole mental issue,
4: yeah. you know so
2: i mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, All right, just, my yeah um, on it.
1: well it's it's an interesting thought because obviously you know it's like you say it's a totally different because obviously you know when you're dating somebody with children uh you know in a way you well know, i'm i'm gonna throw back i'm gonna throw this out statement, tell me what you think of it when you're dating a person. You pretty much date mm-hmm. the family, it's not just the person. It's,
2: um, they have children. Well, it, depends. That it really depends. It okay, really how- depends. <laughs> like, I mean, okay, so, like, I mean, of course it depends if, they're, if the birth mom is involved in their lives and there's instances where the birth mom is not around that kid or she is, you know, deceased. Um, but uh, truth be told, I've never actually met his ex-wife. Um, I don't talk to her. She doesn't talk to me. It's kind of like neutral in that decision, but it's not dramatic. If you know what I mean, like it's, there's no drama. Yeah, it's just we well, chose not, not you, to speak it, to each other.
1: It, it, yeah, it's not so much um, you know between you and the wife. I'm obviously that feature is it, but I'm thinking more of the children. Yeah, you know, when you're dating, like say when you're a dating, oh, teen, yeah. essentially, you essentially well, I mean, you know, real, also, eventually, also,
2: you don't want it. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying, but you also don't want to introduce the kids too fast. Like we yeah. waited a year. We waited a year to make sure, like, to introduce them. So are sure to introduce me, because like, what yeah. if you're dating someone for six months, right? That's the thing. That's a that's an, uh, that's a whole other topic. Like there are women who like will introduce their boyfriend of like two weeks to their kids, and I'm like, um, no. <laughs>
9: Just know because it gets confusing for them, and it's just like, well,
1: who's in their life and who's not in their life, I think, Yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. All right, I was just, I can't, because, like I said, I'm, to be obviously, know, it's a totally different, to me, it'd be an interesting challenge from a parenting point of view because basically, you know, she's staying, most, you know, her mom, she has a mom, she has a dad. And then you're, and then you're there
0: as
2: well.
1: And it's always that question. Yeah, I, that... I
2: would never, I would never expect her to call me mom or any of that, or, or you know, not even consider me a stepmom. Like I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't want her to feel pressured mm-hmm. to do any of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah
1: exactly. Yeah.
2: Because that's not fair.
1: Okay, that's. It. Well, let me put it this way. You, were you nervous the first time you met her?
2: Oh, my God. I was, like, sh- I was, like, like I was freaked out. I was, like, oh, my gosh, she's going to hate me. But what I did was I bought her something to kind of show her, like, I'm not this, like, evil bitch <laughs> that's here to take your dad away. I was, like, and she asked me what, like, I, I made sure to know what her favorite foods were and what, like, what she's into and i knew she was into like anime so i got her a signed figurine and um she thought that was really cool and then you know i so if i have one advice for people who are like going to be introduced to their partner's kids do not force a relationship that is probably the worst Mm. thing you could ever do like i never was like expecting her to be like oh, I like you very much, or, like, you know, I, I've always been, like, well, I'm just going to build that up. You don't want to rush it. I mean, that's just dumb. Also, some people, again, this group, I swear to God, I need to write a book on this group. It's, it's just so ridiculous. It's, to me, if I write a book, this is going to be, like, how not to be a step-parent, you know? You, don't, you mm-hmm. don't have them call you mom. You don't have them, you know, you don't force a relationship. You don't, you know, you don't especially if you're bringing other kids into the relationship, like let's say you have a kid and your partner has a kid, you don't ever treat them differently, bio or not. You don't do that. Like you don't buy one your bio kid a toy and not buy, you know, your step kid anything. Like you just don't do that. Like it's just so, it's so, it it speaks favoritism. And I hate favoritism. Mm. And I've Mm. seen that in a lot of these step moms that decide like, They basically will treat, you know, their kids better than they would their stepkids. And it's just like, like, for instance, this one woman wrote about how, you know, she wants to paint, you know, this room for her daughters. But, like, her stepkids she only sees, like, a couple times a month. And she was literally saying, well, I'm just going to have their room at storage. I lost my mind, Tom. I lost it. I was just like you're they're not even being treated as guests at this point. You know, that's yeah. their home too. And for you to like turn their room into a storage area for their toys because you don't because your daughters don't want to have toys in their room is like so petty and you just you should not you should not have been with a man with kids. I'm sorry. That's my take on it. You you don't you don't play favorites. Cuz can you imagine mm-hmm. Tom? Can you imagine like your parents get divorced yeah. and you have a new mom and you know, new step siblings and you come to visit your father and boom, your your room is a freaking storage place for toys. you I I can't yeah. even imagine that. I probably never would ever wanna go to see my dad ever again if that was the case.
1: Yeah. That would be yeah, I see exactly. So okay, well we are gonna end it Dad, that right there. You mentioned me you got some uh crazy stories, uh, so why don't you kind of share that? I with do.
2: Them? All right. Got so about, um, I We, we follow, got we got follow, five minutes left. <laughs> all right. Ahead. Can you do five minutes? So I follow right. Huffington Post Weird News. So um, this is actually a really funny story. So an Oregon thief berated a mom who left her four-year-old boy in the car he stole. So. He, this guy actually lectured the mother for leaving the child in the car and threatened to call the police on her. So this happened in Beaverton, Oregon. A car thief who found a toddler in the backseat of a stolen vehicle drove back, chastised the mother for leaving the child unattended before taking off again. So the woman <laughs> went to the grocery store. The woman went to the grocery store for fifteen minutes, um, leaving her four-year-old inside, which. They should arrest her. Just saying. Um, inside with the engine running and the vehicle unlocked. Okay, she's stupid. Um, said the Beaverton police spokesman. Um, a store employee told authorities the woman was in the market for a few minutes before someone began driving away with the SUV. Once the thief realized the toddler was in the back seat, he drove back, berated the woman for leaving her child unattended, told the woman to take the child, and drove and drive aw- and drove away in the stolen vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> for him, I'm yeah, sorry, say he, but, but he, yeah. he, he did may the, have yeah. been a thief, but he has morals. Yeah, um, well, I, I mean, don't
1: know. The, I, I, like a... I, I, yeah, the idea of being lectured by, you know, to get, you know, to, to end up getting lectured by being a parent, parent by a car thief, That.
2: Well, do you know, where the, the, do you know what this reminds me of? There was a burglar years ago, like, uh, this is like 2010 or something. And he went and he broke into this guy's house and he discovered there was child porn on the computer. So he literally called the police and the guy was, like, arrested. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that story.
1: I do. I don't. Yeah, but like, no, I do not.
2: Yeah, this is exactly what it reminds me of. So I thought that was kind of strange but funny and good for the thief. This is the one point I'm actually rooting for the thief. Um, because he literally lectured her. I'm like, yeah, you should. Who leaves your four-year-old in a car? I don't care if the windows were down yeah. and they had air. Like you just you don't leave your kid in a car, especially. At and you certainly don't leave him in a car. Just don't. When
1: and you don't leave it. Where it's running. running.
2: Where it's yeah. running. I mean, so. I I don't I don't I don't understand that. But that was like one of the funny stories I got. Um like I said, uh the the play, the the Twitter that I follow it's called Huffington Post Weird Stories. So mm-hmm. they have so many different types of yeah. stories all over the world so it's really funny a lot of that's really funny
6: yeah
1: well good well i'd say yeah we, oh yeah but before like i said we got you know i i just said that's kind of funny I, I still i love the car story because it's like he yeah. drove the car back left the kid lectures the mom calls the police on her and then takes the car
2: <laughs>
1: i'm just curious did they ever catch the guy
2: um, it did
6: no, I
1: don't think they did. Yeah. So so they didn't even catch the guy. That's now that's an interesting story. So
0: it's Yeah.
1: yeah. All, right. All right. So Timot, listen, we got about two minutes left before we go here. I do have tomorrow night's show, uh, Delroy Murdoch who will be joining me. Um I am for uh I had a chance to work with Delroy during the election. He's a pundit writer. For various publications and uh you know, you may if you watchbox or uh, you will see him occasionally uh dr Larry's gonna have mark morano uh on his show tomorrow night uh so between five you know, six and eight eastern standard time and 3 to, three to five uh cocoa time so I wanted to kind of say uh, thank you very much cocoa. Uh, great um great you and- and we will have to get to Mark back for a little bit longer period of time. We'll yeah, just get into an inter- for sure. interesting conversation with him. So, this is Tom Donaldson saying good night from the Donaldson Files on the Basswood News Radio Network.
5: Welcome, everyone, to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad that everybody is able to join us today for uh, another edition of You and the Law, We're hopefully everyone is having a a great Tuesday afternoon and uh, that uh, your day is going well. But uh, without further ado, I need to introduce to our listeners my co-host, who goes by the name of... Chief Swag. How you doing today, brother?
10: Man, what I tell you about that? What
5: what I tell you about that? I man? mean, it, wait a second. I, you know, we go what'd I tell you about this. I told
10: you host,
0: man.
5: <laughs> oh, oh, wait a second. So, you know <laughs> what? I switched it up, man. I, I'm just saying that, you know, we're, we're co-hosts. You know, you're a co-host and I'm a co-host.
10: Isaac. Yeah, but I'm but I'm taller. You're tall well
5: you're under- yeah, you're yeah, yeah. I, I, you're <laughs> taller and older. You're taller and older. So I guess you can have okay. you you can have that uh I will introduce to everybody. This is the host of the show, T Swag Humphrey. What's, what's,
10: what's going on, brother? <laughs> how how you doing? <laughs> Hey, before man, we, before I'm going we go right. any, man before we go any further, first I want to extend condolences to you and your family, man. I know you lost your mom, and so I uh, wanna wanna let you know man, we're praying for you man and, and condolences and uh keeping you lifted up in prayer man
11: well, I
5: definitely appreciate that from from your brother I mean you know uh you know we, uh, me and my sisters, my brother, we lost our mom unexpectedly um last Wednesday and it's it's been a little rough and so uh but we're we're getting through it with, with a lot of prayers and, and uh a lot of a lot of family support but I definitely appreciate that so uh you know trying to trying to keep myself busy and occupied so uh and and that's that's why we're I'm on uh doing you and the law with you today so but definitely appreciate that.
10: All right man appreciate you bro appreciate
5: you. All right. All right well, hey, Keith, you know, we've got a, another exciting show for our listeners. And, uh, you know, uh, we want to remind everybody that the caller number to the show is 646 929 0130. And uh, the chat room is open. Uh, definitely go to our Facebook page, uh, you and the law one. Take uh, us out on Instagram and uh, follow us on Twitter. But, um, you know, Keith, we got a a show uh today that we're going to be talking about mental mental health um, uh, crisis calls is something that we've talked about before, but it's just it's something that continues to happen and um, you know there has to be some better solutions to how police officers are responding to dealing with uh with individuals that are going through some type of uh, Mental health crises, and you know, one of the things we're going to play a uh, audio clip uh, after the break uh, from an incident that took place uh, back uh, on January the 10th uh, on a Sunday afternoon in Colleen, uh, Texas, where a uh, an unfortunately a 52 year old unarmed uh, black uh, black man uh, home with his family, and actually the family called the police. Uh, seeking some, uh, some help because he was uh, going through some things and um, an officer shows up and within probably three minutes of that officer being there, uh, Keith, you know, uh, uh, this man ended up uh, being shot by the police officer and later died at the hospital. So just a very tragic situation. And, and, uh, but, you know, Keith, we, there has to be some better uh, alternatives and, and You know, we talk about training. There's a lot of good training out there, but you know, uh, hopefully, in this uh, hour, we'll unpack that and see uh, what can be done different to handle mental health crisis
10: calls. Yeah, um, you know, Virgil, we've talked about this, man. We are, we are every day. It looks like those calls are getting increased, and um, you know, we're, we're we're coming in contact with individuals that for some reason the family hasn't gotten them the, the uh, care that they, they deserve, or they're unwilling to get that care. And it, it comes down to the point of where we're tasked with encountering these individuals. And uh, for the most part, it ends up being peaceful, but there are those times mm-hmm. that it ends up like the situation in Colleen, So just very tragic. And you know, Virgil, man, it is, you know, and I want the listeners to understand. It's not easy for us to talk about, uh, you know, anytime a, a life is taken by a police officer or a police officer loses their life. But you know, it, it's 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 a topic that we have to that we feel is important to talk about because it because it, we know we need to bring awareness to the needs in law enforcement and also what law enforcement uh, is doing. Uh, to minimize the possibilities or probabilities of these type of events from from occurring. And Mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit, we'll talk a lot tonight about crisis intervention training CIT uh, and what that entails and why that's important uh, in law enforcement today.
5: Yeah. And, you know, Keith, uh, I think some people will be surprised that uh, that type of training that we're going to be talking about crisis intervention training, CIT training is, is, a lot of agencies don't uh, utilize that training. Um, so, uh, and, uh, and so it's something that is there. Uh, a lot of agencies, some agencies have their own in-house uh, training, but um, you know, that's going to be a, a question that some listeners will probably even ask, you know, if officers are getting this type of training, why do we continue to see these types of in- these type of uh, incidents that happen in Colleen, where uh, majority of the time they are individuals are unarmed and they are being uh, shot by a police officer. And I watched this video, Keith, and, you know, we're going to play it after the break, but um, the officer, uh, he, uh, after this, this, Happened and I really felt for the officer because, you know, he obviously realized he could have handled the situation better. And and one good thing, Keith, is the fact that this is all on the officer's body cam. And so this isn't something that was caught on a family cell phone or a neighbor or somebody. This, this whole encounter was, was caught on the officer's body cam. And so allowing for the investigation to take place as to, you know, how they're going to deal with that. But, you know, Keith, in one of the main questions that, that has been asked of me, Keith, is especially from, from black families, should we even call the police because we are seeing time and time again, where families are reaching out for help and a police officer gets there. And when it's said and done, uh, a life has been taken So you've got families even questioning now Of even contacting the police Correct, correct
10: And that's sad uh, You know, that, that really is sad And so we, you know, we hope that We're going to talk tonight about what the importance of, of contacting the police And also what you should expect from your, from your police department
5: yeah, and, you know, Keith, and one of the things um, a, a lot of people will say, well, uh, hey, this is on the family. This is the family's fault. And, you know, a lot of times the families are, have done every single thing that they have done to try to get their family members some help. But oftentimes we have seen where uh, local services have been reduced, um, and there's not a lot of bed spaces to, 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 to place individuals who are suffering through a mental health crisis. So there's a lot of things. And I think, you know, when I've heard had people to say, well, hey, this is all on the family, I think that's been a little insensitive to, for the simple fact we don't know and they don't know what all that family has went through because they're dealing with it on a day-to-day basis. But, Keith, we're coming up on our first break. We're going to take this break, and when we come out, we'll uh, have that video. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Hello. To you and the law on the back of the news radio network, uh, we just listened to an audio clip that was uh, released by the Colleen Police Department, their uh, officer's body-worn camera. Um, and I would encourage the listeners to, uh, to go. And, and if you hadn't seen the video, uh, you can go to our Facebook page and you can click on the link and, and you can, uh, it'll take you directly to the actual uh, uh, video. You just heard the audio clip of it but a very tense moment there for the family. You you hear one of the sons who is is telling the officer not to use a weapon or not to use a gun. And Keith, I think to kind of go back, uh, the family had previously called uh, the Colleen police uh, out on their father uh, days before. And on that day, actual uh, CIT officers or, or Individuals that knew how to handle uh, crisis intervention with with people that are going through a a mental crisis, they actually responded, and the situation turned out uh, pretty good. But days later, uh, the family dealt with the same thing. They called 911 again, most likely thinking that they were going to get the same type of response that they got previously before, but this time – an officer shows up. Uh, even though you hear the officer goes into the to the home and he comes back out, and the the, the uh, Mr. Warren, who is the uh, who was the father, he comes outside and he's a pretty big guy, Keith. And uh, obviously the officer felt pretty threatened, and he used his taser on him, and his taser didn't work. And and the question that I have is the simple fact that. This man was armed. He was unarmed. And the fact that you use a taser, you see it didn't work. Why did you result to using deadly force? And I'm going to go back to what we just witnessed in uh, in D.C. several weeks ago, where you had a mob of people attacking federal police officers, and only one person lost their life. You had people assaulting police officers, physically assaulting them, ramming their heads in the doors, but there was so much restraint that was used not to shoot and kill someone. But time and time again, we see where that same type of restraints is not used. And I think Keith, that's what a lot of people, especially in the black community are asking why this continues to happen.
10: And there's no answer for it. Uh, <laughs> there's no answer and there's no excuse uh, for that. And And, you know, Virgil, I'm a, you know, I think we pride ourselves on being students of the profession, and so we, you know, you you don't want an armchair quarterback, um, but you know, you, you you there are calls that that you have in your in your general orders and your policies that are automatically two-person calls, two officer calls. Uh, you know, those being domestics, those being burglar alarms, those being armed violent situations and now I've seen policies even change where it specifically says when there's uh, a call that may be related to someone who is mentally ill uh, you will not go on a call alone and and there are some departments that even require Mm supervisors so the question is going to be you know number one for the family and for the community why was that officer um, alone on that call why was he you know why did he Uh, Was he alone? Was there another officer dispatched on that call? Did he decide to go in without the other officer before the other officer came or was there ever another officer dispatched? Uh, Those are going to be some of the questions that I think they're going to have to answer. Um, Was it one of those days when they only had uh, a few officers on the street? And so there was not uh, a backup. So those are going to be questions, you know, was he trained in CIT? Um, why did he not, you know, try to de-escalate? I'm not saying that's the case, but those are going to be the those are going to be the questions that are going to come up because he utilized a lower level of force. Uh, the taser is, you know, is is below the deadly force. So the question is going to be, well, you know, you know, why did he go to the level of force that he did? I can't answer that question, uh, but the, the the other the questions we that I posed earlier, those are going to be the questions that people are going to ask. Um, how many times have they been out there? You know, you talked about previously uh, professionals, mental health professionals had gone out there. Uh, there may have been a reason for the family to believe those people, those, those individuals would return, but they didn't. He came out there. Uh, we got to figure out, You know, in the profession, what happened, Uh, and 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 there's going to be there's still a lot of unanswered questions.
5: Yeah, there is, and that's and and of course the investigation is going on, and and the family is seeking some some answers as to 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 why you know the officer used deadly force, and uh, but you know just on a you know we're not just going to really focus on the incident that happened in Colleen, but as a broader picture, Keith. You know, the 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 training that goes into these officers uh, who are sent to to deal with people with mental uh, health crises, and uh, there's there's a lot of it is some good training, but you know, again, uh, you know, like you just said, we don't want to be, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks about things that have, have occurred and we're speaking from our experience and things that we've dealt with, you know, you sent officers to CIT training, I've sent them to a CIT training uh, and the officers that have came back, you know, the majority of them are really surprised at the, uh, the depth of the training and the knowledge that they received at the training and some they just come back to say, hey, I've got this CIT stripe on me and, and so I think There has to be a lot of the things – I think we need to look at the training more and to see what are we really teaching officers and are we bringing in people that are from that mental health profession? Because, again, Keith, we're asking a lot for police officers to deal with, especially uh, people that are going through some type of, uh, of mental health crises, And we're asking them to deal with something that really a professional who is in that field should be dealing with.
10: Yeah, we are. And, and, you know, Chief Brown, David Brown, who's now the superintendent of Chicago, he he made that comment back in 2016 when they had the uh, protests in Dallas and they had five Dallas officers uh, lose their lives. And he basically said that you're asking police to do a lot of things that they're not uh, that that they shouldn't be doing. But unfortunately, we are the first line of defense here locally. Uh, we are the first responders. We are those individuals when you can't call anyone else, you know, we're going to respond. Uh, and that's why it's important for us to have. And what's and what's happening throughout the nation, a lot of people, uh, a lot of departments are, are developing crisis intervention teams and community outreach programs that partners a a law enforcement officer who's trained in crisis intervention and then also a mental health professional as well as any other resources that might be, um, uh, positive, um, for toward that, toward that, uh, toward mental illness. And those are working really well because what we find is that, uh, individuals that, that may be in crisis, uh, even though we go out there and we get the situation calm or or we do an emergency detention on someone, uh, it might be a situation where that person may not follow up because under state law, you can only keep that person for so long, put an emergency detention for so long. And I, you know, and sometimes it's 72 hours, sometimes it's 48 hours. It depends on the state. And after that, uh, once you release that individual, they go back, to the environment that they, that they uh, were removed from, um, there's, no, there's no requirement for them to follow up with a mental health professional. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. requirement or mandate for them to take their medication. Uh, they may not have medication. Uh, and, so, and so these are the, these are the unknowns uh, that we encounter on a daily basis. We don't know uh, what put that person in a crisis, what cause that person to go into a crisis. Uh, So there's a lot of unknown there. And and so Mm -hmm. it it is unfair to ask us to do the things, but unfortunately it's not going to change. So we have to provide the resources uh, to our officers to ensure that they can appropriately respond to those situations.
5: Yeah. You know, Keith, you know, on a previous show, we talked about the same uh, topic uh, and we touched on another Incident that took place in Rochester, uh, New York, where Daniel Perdue uh, was uh, killed back in March, um, and after his family had uh, again, the family reached out to police to call the police uh, to to try to get him some some help, and um, you know it ended tragically, and so uh, again you know that that same question comes back as to what are we you know why are officers showing up with the and I'm going to say I guess with the with the attitude of you know you're you're a problem and I need to deal with you quickly and either you go peacefully or you're going to go in a way that's not going to be peacefully because I just don't really want to deal with you because I'm trying to go to the next call Uh, And I think that's why it's so important that agencies really start to separate those type of calls from other, uh, you know, priority calls that officers are dealing with, whether it's, you know, burglaries or uh, other other things that that may happen and and separate it. Because you you go from dealing from a car accident to now all of a sudden you're responding to dealing with somebody – that's going through a mental health crisis uh, and you got to switch gears. And so, again, we're asking a lot for police officers. That's why I think a lot more resources and a lot more funding really needs to be put into including the private sector into this. Uh, But that's going to be hard, Keith, because a lot of agencies are small agencies and they don't have those resources to do some of the things that some larger cities like, Little Rock may be able to do, or Oklahoma City, or Rochester, New York. Some of those agencies don't have those luxuries to to provide those resources.
10: Yeah, you're right. They may not have. They don't have those luxuries. Uh, but you know, it's it's all. That's why we have the network of law enforcement is huge, and so that you, you know, people have to. These law enforcement executives have to have to know how to ask for help and be willing to ask for help. Uh, Because a lot of times, help is just a phone call away. And you may not have the resources to do it on the scale of a New York or the scale of a Dallas or L.A., but but there are some resources out there that would allow you to to, to do something. And I'm not saying that's the case in everything, but we have to think outside the box sometimes uh, that there's different ways of doing things and other resources out here. Exactly. Well, Keith, we're coming
5: up on... Uh, taking our next break, but uh, and we 're going to listen to this other audio clip uh, from the incident that took place in Coleen, but you know i 'm going to pose this question to to you and to our listeners and to l a if he wants to come on and, and join the conversation, um, why are police officers the wrong response to mental health crises so we 're going to take a break and we come back, and we 'll get back into that but you 're listening to you and the law on the Batman News Radio network.
11: The two megastars summer mashup. The awesome iPhone. On the Rockstar Metro PCS network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for zero dollars. So you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port a number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days through an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. Back now with a fatal police shooting of an unarmed black man in Texas. The moments leading up to it caught on video.
5: NBC's Ron Allen has more. Let me warn you, the images are disturbing.
11: The video appears to show Patrick Warren Sr. walking out his door toward a police officer. An attorney for the family who released the video says they called police asking for a mental health resource officer and that one had visited Warren the previous day, accompanied him to a hospital, and then back home. The officer, out of frame, is heard telling Warren to show his hands and get on the ground, while Warren's family pleads with the officer not to shoot him. A shot is heard, which is later described as a taser. As the video cuts from the doorbell security camera to a cell phone, Warren appears to be getting up from the ground.
0: Sit down! Sit down!
11: Warren, age 52, died later at a hospital. What went wrong here, in your opinion?
10: Well, they should have sent a, a mental health resource officer who was capable of dealing with a mental health crisis. Instead, instead they sent a, a hostile, poorly trained officer uh, who resorted too quickly to the use of, of force.
11: In a statement, Colleen's police chief said, this incident is rightfully of great concern to the community. It is my duty to ensure a thorough investigation is conducted. Police identified the officer as Rinaldo Contreras, a five-year veteran of the force, now on administrative leave, while Warren's family demands the officer's arrest and that he be held accountable for Warren's death. Ron Allen, NBC News.
10: Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top stories and breaking news by downloading the NBC
5: News app. Uh, hey, we want to welcome everyone back to you and the Long, the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, we just listened to another uh, news uh, clip of the, uh, the tragic incident that took place in Colleen, Texas. Several weeks ago, where a 52-year-old 50, uh, unarmed uh, black man was was uh, killed, um, and when officers responded out to deal with the mental health crisis call, and and the question that that I pose, Keith, are, are uh why are police officers the wrong response to mental health crisis? And I think a lot of you know that question has been put out there in the in the public, and I think you know how is law enforcement going to uh, ensure the public that uh, if, if those if, if the alternative is not there to have uh, trained CIT officers, how is law enforcement going to really ensure the public that they're going to do everything they can to prevent uh, these tragic incidents that we've seen in Rochester and, and now we we saw in um, in uh, in Colleen, Texas, and also we. You know, uh, an incident took place in Oklahoma City uh, uh, about a month ago where a, um, uh, a man was killed uh, when police officers responded to uh, a, a call with him. So um, what, what do you think, Keith? How is, how is law enforcement going to really uh, work with the, the, the public to ensure that they're doing everything that they can to make sure these types of incidents don't occur?
10: Well, unfortunately, Verge, you know, these type of incidents, you, you, you know, they become a training scenario uh, of, the, of, the, of the do's and don'ts. Uh, you know, there's so many things here that, that we can learn, you know, and the unfortunate thing is that a man lost his life. And, it, and the other fortunate thing is you got a police officer whose life will never be the same. Uh, no matter what, the, no matter what, you know, and, and I don't think that that, gym, that officer got up that morning uh, with the intention on killing anybody. Uh, but I think that um, that it, it it went bad, it went bad quickly uh, I think from the beginning of not having a backup there but I think what what's going to happen? there's gonna have to be some ma- some mandates, federal mandates uh, that require that that every police department in the nation, no matter one person or ten thousand people, is going to have to implement some form of mental health training. And not like it was in Oklahoma and other states. And we're not talking about this mandatory two to four hours after you, for, for a continuing education. And we're, we're talking about these 40 to 80 hours that, that officers have to go through to understand the, 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 how to respond to these indiv- you know, individuals with mental illness. Because let's just think about this. You never know when you, when you get those calls all you're getting is the information that the, the caller is providing the dispatcher and the dispatcher providing you. Uh, there should be information regarding we've been there before. Uh, we utilize these resources, meet the, meet the person's family down. I mean, these are things that maybe dispatchers say, is there any way you could leave the house? Uh, you know, exactly. those type of things we've got to, we've, we've got to start getting more information uh, yeah. and, and we've got to start having these town hall meetings to determine what the community is looking for, because I guarantee you, there's a lot of mem- there's people in the community that agree that we shouldn't have to respond to those, but those type of things. But, but there are a lot of calls we shouldn't have to respond to, but we do. So we're going to do that. Let's prepare. I mean, we we've got to prepare these recruits. We've got to have this annual training certification. I think you're going to start seeing the partnerships with 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 universities to dis- to help design these type of response teams and things like that uh, these are the type of things that, that, that's going to have to happen you can't in the times we're in you can't leave it up to the department to determine what they're going to do and what they're not going to do when it comes to responding to the needs of a person with mental illness or it comes to responding to people of color you can't leave that up to the department you got to have those mandates and not only have those mandates they've got to be uh, make sure that those mandates are being followed to the letter of the of the of the of the policy. Yeah,
5: well, and you know, Keith, you made you, you made a really good point uh, that agencies or are, are the officers, the information comes from the dispatcher down to the officers. But a lot of times, I, I think the officers. One of the good things that that I've done in the past uh, when I've had to respond to mental health calls is to, to meet the family outside of the house or, or ask uh, or call the family and have them to meet me at a next-door neighbors because, again, the individual person that you are responding to, they see a uniform and they see somebody with a weapon, and now you become that threat. And so I think that's a, a really good point to make that, uh, agencies really need to start training somewhat outside of the box instead of just saying, hey, this is just like any other typical call because it's not because you're dealing with a mental health crisis or mental health you know, uh, illness. And so those calls are not just your typical calls because they can either go good or they can go bad. And when they go bad, unfortunately, they end up uh, with the death of, of a of a person who is unarmed And even if a person is armed They may have a, a knife or something Again it, There has to be other alternatives That we can use to um, To respond to those type of calls Well
10: there, there does Berg, But we have to understand too Sometimes you have no choice I mean sometimes and I, think, I think the listeners understand that The exigent circumstances Things change so quickly And sometimes you have no choice but I think also with the listeners, you know you you can't pull the wool over a listener's eye a listeners or community's eyes say, why didn't he wait for backup? You know why didn't he have the distance? you know why did he not you know so so those are questions that people want to know, and so um, I don't know, I don't like to armchair quarterback, but because i I wasn't there and and you've got to try to figure out what was in his mind, what was in the officer's mind uh, yeah. when that yeah. occurred. But I can exactly. assure you that that wasn't. I, I'm very confident saying his intention was not to go there and end up in in a shooting. Uh, that no, family's no. intention was not to call the police officer, and the and and their loved one ending up dead. Those I, I can pretty. I'm pretty. I, I, I'm pretty confident that those two situ those two um, issues right there were not on the mind of either either of those parties.
5: Yeah. Well, hey, Keith, we have a listener from Oklahoma City who's on the who's on the line with us. Uh name is Adriana. Adriana, uh, thanks for joining you and the law on the uh, Batson News Radio Network. How are you doing?
4: I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing good. Glad, doing good. Glad, to,
5: glad to, uh, you could come on and, and talk with us about the, the topic that we're talking about, mental health crisis and law enforcement.
4: I'm glad to be able to join you guys tonight. Um, I've been listening and writing down a couple points. Um, uh, Chief Humphrey said something that I would really like to touch on and that's the fact that police officers are uh, responsible to respond to a lot of calls that they might not be equipped to deal with. Now, Mm -hmm. we know the role of police is to maintain public safety and order. But in present day society, we're relying on police officers to be relationship counselors in domestic violence calls. We're relying on them to be mental health counselors in mental health calls and then substance abuse counselors when it comes to dealing with people that have substance abuse. And it's really not fair to the officer. I used to um, work as a city intern for a city in a side of Oklahoma County. And so I've, uh, I worked predominantly in the police department, so I responded to a lot of mental health calls with our officers, and I know how strenuous of a task that is, having to go and try to apprehend the person, then you have to take them to the nearest hospital for a physical, then drive them to the nearest bed, and one time, that was all the way in Arkansas for one of our officers, and that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so... I think that um, a lot of people get offended when we talk about defunding the police. But from my point of view, it's not about, you know, taking away all of the officers resources or the, the things they knew need to do to, or need to adequately perform their tasks. It's about divesting a little bit of those resources into programs and other resources that can take the burden off of our officers. Now, nationwide, We know that only about 4% of the calls that police respond to are violent crimes. 95.6% of the calls that officers respond to are nonviolent. And so that Mm -hmm. means there's a lot of leeway where we can give uh, medical professionals, mental health professionals, substance abuse professionals, room to come in and kind of commandeer those situations that they're experts in dealing with instead of police officers who are trained in public safety now they have um programs all over the country that they're starting to implement cahoots uh in eugene oregon for example has been in operation going on seven years now in the right. year of 2019 yeah in the year of 2019 they responded to over 24,000 calls, which was 17% of all the calls made to 911, and they only needed backup for 150 of those calls. This mm-hmm. operation is ran by um, the White Bird Clinic, and not only do they provide the Community Rapid Response Task Force where they send out a mental health and a health care professional to 911 calls, but they also provide resources for continued help when it comes to, they have like a dentistry, a medical clinic, homelessness, case management, mental health and behavioral professionals, all kinds of things. And this program operates beautifully and it actually saves about $8.5 million tax dollars a year. And so it just, it, it blows my mind when we are seeing that we have a problem with police um, using excessive force and even murdering people who are mentally ill. We also know that about 50% of the people that police murder each year are disabled people. There are solutions yeah. out there and there are better ways to combat these issues. But when you start talking about money or you start talking about policy, our society is so polarized right now that no one really wants to have those conversations, but they really could save a life.
5: Exactly. Well, hey, uh, Adriana, we're, we're coming up on a break, and, and you have a wealth of, of knowledge and information. And, Keith, this is a young lady who is a college student in, in Oklahoma City who I know uh, and, and helped me out on my campaign when I was running for Oklahoma County Sheriff. Very intelligent young lady. But, uh, Adriana, just stay with us while we take a, a quick break, and we'll come back and get right back to you. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
7: If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into The Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you missed the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed.
9: You and the law show. Uh, of course, don't forget that if you missed any part of the broadcast, you can go uh, to our website, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com, or MLA Bachelor. Uh, if you are on the line, if you have a question or comment, you can certainly do so as uh, Adriana in Oklahoma City did. Uh, uh, Chief Humphrey and uh, Green will be happy to take your calls. Uh, don't forget. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with them. And uh, certainly um, you can hit them up on their social media page. We're uh, tweeting and, and sending out stuff here on our Facebook page, Pad Nation and Pad Nation uh, 2. Uh, guys, and uh, to you and to uh, your um, caller and people listening, and, and again, blessings and peace to you, uh, Virgil, and your, your family, sir. Um, I, uh, Thanks, I I heard what what yes sir, I I heard that was all that was was said and and you guys have known me for a while, Chief Humphrey, you know me for even longer, so you know how I respect what you guys do, especially the brothers that do it, brothers and sisters that do it. Um, to be frank about it, so you know how I feel about you and 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 want the safety first for you. But I think that we have to also be very real about at the end of the day with all the conversations about police are overwhelmed and they're being doctors, lawyers, Indians and chiefs, basically, um, and they're not signed up for that and they're not trained, uh, which is the topic. At the end of the day, the optics is very, very bad to your caller said, you know, in, in this climate. Black and brown people don't want to hear this as a mass. What, what? Because what they saw was all these white folks going to the Capitol, like you said, uh, Chief Green, uh, destroying stuff, and not only leaving for the most part. But having these cops saying, well, don't desperate this and letting them in, and outside of the brothers trying to do what they need to do and sister, she getting arrested for defending herself. The other ones either had it planned or they didn't do what they needed to do. I understand that they were stormed and it was planned. My point is is that those white folks like a mob went up there and said they were taking their country back. They taking their country back. That's their constitution. Mm-hmm. It ain't ours. It ain't ours. So... With all the stuff that's going on, the training need, and at the end of the day, black folks are looking at that and saying that these people just kind of walked out with the, maybe with the exception of 100, 200 or whatever. They just walked home. They lived in all our, our neighborhoods. They mowing their lawn and everything after they just uh, committed all that treason and, and, and all that rioting. And, you know, if we went there, it would have been a lot of bloodshed. So I think that, you know, yeah, in theory and everything, the training needs to be there. But until there's some equal justice on the law on both sides, black folks ain't trying to hear that as, as a yeah. as a mass. And some of them get it, but black people ain't trying to hear that. You know, take care of us. Give us the equal justice and the equal whatever,
10: and then come talk to me after that, basically. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know
10: what, LA? And you're right, man. And and that's one of the things that I think you heard Virgil ask me earlier and what I've said the last few weeks, I can't explain it. Uh I can't explain why uh that occurred at the at D C and there wasn't more accountability. I can't explain that. But then I can't explain that you see some of the same things in other cities that are predominantly African American and you see more heavy handed uh more heavy-handed approach. <clears throat> I can't. I can't understand, or I can't explain why it appears that every time we turn on the TV, at least more so than that's you know more so than it should be, <clears throat> you're seeing an African American male or female, young, old, middle age, uh, dying at the hand of of law enforcement. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there's nothing I can say. I won't try to justify it, uh, even if I say. Uh, it, it appeared to be justified, it, it doesn't look that way to the, to the minority community. And so I don't know. This is, one, this is one thing that is very difficult to understand, very difficult to explain. Uh, and then it devolves back to, man, was it a racial thing? And, and, and I, I can't change the mind of, 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 of our people when they're seeing. And I'm not one of these people, L.A., that will say, well, you didn't see what you really saw. Or you shouldn't think what you really think. I mean, this is what people think. This is reality for some people, and so I don't know what they. I don't know why this is continually happening. It's very disheartening. Uh, it's very disappointing. I don't know.
5: Yeah. Well, hey guys, before we get back to our caller uh, in Oklahoma City, uh, I want to go back. You know, CIT training has been around for decades. This this is something that actually uh, was modeled. Uh, from an incident that took place in Memphis, Tennessee, back in 1987. And so back then it was called the Memphis model, and from that thousands of police departments across the country, uh, you know, came up with their own uh, CIT training from that Memphis model. So this is something that's been around for a a very long time, but we continue to see uh, the, the, you know, unorned black uh, men and women being killed by police Officers well, at a, well, at Virgin, alarming Let me say rate. this
10: real quick let, let me say this Now We have to remember when we got into law enforcement Mental illness was criminalized It it, it had yeah. been criminalized If you had mental illness You were the, if, 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 if there was nowhere to take you You went to jail You, went,
0: you to jail. went to jail yeah.
10: for Public intoxication Loitering Uh you know, minor, tra- minor warrants, you were placed in a jail to get you off the street. That's why the jail, well, you know, 60-some percent of the people that are in jail have some form of mental illness when you start talking about penitentiary, because we have, we have, we have criminalized mental illness for so long. And so now exactly. we're trying to ease our way out of it, and we've gotten behind. And so it's very yeah. difficult to catch up.
5: Exactly. Exactly,
10: Adriana, are you still there? Are you with us?
4: I am here.
5: Okay, all right. Uh, and glad that you stuck around. And uh, again, I mean, you you have a, a wealth of knowledge about uh, about this topic, about uh, some things that you're actually studying while you're uh, in college. And so I'm glad that you're able to come on and, and share with us and share with our listeners uh, your perspective as a as a young black. Uh, female and as somebody who is actually trying to work to change some things uh, in this in this topic of, of mental health and some other things that you're doing.
4: Absolutely, she's passionate,
5: um,
10: she's passionate about it.
5: I yes, it. She definitely is. She she is definitely she is a, a passionate young lady, and I tell you, you know to our listeners all around the the, the, the country, this young lady here. Uh, she has been involved in so many things in, in Oklahoma and outside of Oklahoma. From uh, I think she was involved with the uh, Julius Jones uh, March. She's been an advocate for uh, police reform. Uh, she has been all over the news uh, in Oklahoma, so she's definitely made a name for herself. And I have to tell, <laughs> I have to put this in, and hopefully she doesn't. She has been this this young lady. Just to tell you how how uh, determined. And how dedicated she is, Keith. She's been in in Facebook jail so many times. I don't even want to <laughs> ask her. <laughs> so if, if if she she's going to come with you at you with a hundred percent, and she's going to do it in, in a very professional way. But but glad that you have joined us and shared some insight from from your perspective, Adria.
4: Guys, thank you so much. Um, I listen to the show every week. Virgil knows that. I usually hit him up after the show and tell him, you know, how I feel about what you guys talk about. So it's my pleasure to be able to come on today. Um, he's, he's right. I run a nonprofit organization here in Oklahoma City called the Collegiate Freedom and Justice Coalition, or CFJC. And um, I do a lot of things. I do social and criminal justice human and civil rights and medical marijuana advocacy and activism. And then I also do victims advocacy for families um, who've lost people to police violence and people who are incarcerated in our county jail. And so um, this subject is really near and dear to my heart because one of the cases that I'm working on, is the um the Benny Edwards case that chief mm-hmm. Green had brought up earlier the man that o k c p d killed not too long ago about a month ago he was schizophrenic and he was in an episode and they they shot him they killed him and I was one of the first people to show up on the scene, and the officers had no explanation it was it was insane and so after that happened, I started doing research and I found out that Only about 14% of the officers at Oklahoma City Police Department are CIT-trained, and they deal with a high call volume of mental health calls. There was an incident a couple months ago where um, someone who I work with in my organizing was doing a cop watch incident over at Shepherd's Mall, and a guy had called the police because his friend was suicidal and he needed help, and these are Mm -hmm. two black men. Now, they showed up about 10 officers deep with guns drawn and all kind of crazy stuff about a man who was in mental distress. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, there was another incident where a man was um, threatening to kill himself by jumping off of a bridge. Oklahoma City Police Department, instead of trying to talk the man down and save a life, they were so busy, worried about the growing crowd of people um, one of my followers was there, and she was trying to talk the man down, and the officers nearly assaulted her, and the man still ended up jumping off the bridge. Wow. That's what we're dealing with here. And so— wow. um, well,
10: You know what, Adriana, it's, it's interesting you say that because there's a—there uh, <laughs> was a, one of my good friends who's a executive for the city of, of Norman, executive executive in the police department for the city of Norman. Uh, mm-hmm. he was doing a talk about CIT and the CIT efforts that, um, uh, Norman is doing, uh, having, you know, and, and, and so he got a phone call from a CIT person in Oklahoma city that, that, cause he was talking about wanting to get, when I was in Norman, one of my goals was to have a hundred percent of the officers trained in CIT, not the not the basic CIT training, but the formalized certification in crisis intervention training. Yeah, the advanced
5: and, training. The
10: advanced. And this guy called my buddy and said that he was offended because under the standards, no entire police department should not be trained in CIT. There should only be about twenty percent of your officers. So that's the that's the that's the most in, that's that's the most absurd wow. thing I've ever heard in my life. Wow. To have that, that mentality—that is crazy. That mm. is that—that that is, but, you know.
4: I know, but that's just—I
10: know—that's—that's that's absurd.
4: It is, and I know. Out of the officers who responded to the Benny Edwards call that day, none of them were CIT trained, and they did not call for a CIT trained backup officer to come to the scene. They showed up. They started attacking a. a a man who was in his 60s suffering from schizophrenia and may or may not have been homeless at the time. And they just shot him. They didn't even call for their CIT trained counterparts to come and assist with the situation. So, no, 20% is not enough because if there's 1% that thinks they can get away with not going through the training or not going through the proper protocols or calling for the right kind of backup, that's how we lose lives.
10: Yeah, yeah, oh, it exactly. Is. I, I, I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah, well, hey, you
5: know, you know, we're we're coming up on uh, the last five minutes of, of the show, uh, Adriana, and we definitely thank you for for coming on and joining us. And and hopefully, I can get you to come back on again <laughs> to talk about some some other things that that you're doing uh, in the community. And uh, because a lot, everything that you're doing is is extremely positive. And uh, you're as as people say she, she's in the trenches. She 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 gets down and she uh, she doesn't uh, hold back her words. She's she's a lady a young lady who wants to be known and and uh, it wants to make sure she can uh, change things, uh, especially here in Oklahoma City.
4: Absolutely, I thank have. you guys so much for having me, and I will come back anytime you want me to.
5: All right. Well, well, thank you so
7: much.
5: Anyway. Thank Appreciate you. you. Thank you. Thank you. And Keith, you know, one of the things that, that I like to say before we, uh, in, you know, we wrap this up, man, uh, you know, I think officers, uh, whether you're trained in CIT or not trained in CIT, learn more about the mental health uh, and, and what people are going through. And Keith, a lot of this, uh, has to do with, you know, change your voice and change your body language. And and, and hell, if it means getting down on the ground and talking to somebody uh, to de escalate a situation to where you don't have to use a taser, but oftentimes we got to get out of this mindset that I'm the police, you do what I tell you to do, because you got to realize that person that you're talking to, they're not in their right mind. They everything that you're saying there is toned out. And so we've got to officers have to learn uh, how to handle people better and use the same restraints that we saw these federal police officers in DC use because a lot of people could have been uh, killed on that day, but they, they wasn't especially the ones who were physically assaulting police officers, but we've got to get back to where, especially our uh, families in our minority communities and our uh, Latinos, in, in our African-American communities, where they do not feel that uh, that if they do call the police, their loved ones are going to be killed. And also, Keith, one of the things to bring up, especially in, in our Latino community, there's a language barrier there. Um, and, and oftentimes officers are not... Fluent in, in Spanish and, and they don't know how to communicate With people who uh, are, are Spanish But this is not just To a black and a white issue This is a uh, Every race is dealing with Mental uh, mental illness And I think especially those In our Latino communities We really need to make sure Officers can can fully Provide a service And, and I'm going to use that word again A service to our, our communities And uh, because A lot of families are just tired of saying, well, you guys are are making it sound good, but next week we're going to hear about another police shooting of of a person suffering with mental illness. And unfortunately, you're right, but on this show, we're going to talk about things that impact our communities and things that uh, we feel that you uh, want to hear hear us talk about.
10: Well, you're absolutely right. It's a good topic. We could talk about this topic on and on and on and on, and we'll talk about it again yeah. in future shows. Exactly. But, man, I, I appreciate exactly. you once again, man. You know, our partnership in L.A., we appreciate you, my man. We definitely
5: do. If all the things that you do behind the scenes. But, uh, but guys, we're going to close it out, and, uh, but we'll come back again, and we'll see everyone uh, next week on You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
8: I wake up in the morning, love. And the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without warning, love. That heavy on my mind. Then I look at you. And the world's all right with me. Just one look at you. And I know it's gonna be A lovely day
0: No